Hello and welcome back to the God Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and uh, today's guest is Nick Klinkenberg, who's here to talk about his recent book from Castle Publishing in New Zealand called How to Multiply Churches. Nick has been in church and movement leadership roles for over 35 years. He's the founder of Vision Churches International, and he travels locally and overseas. Well, he he did travel (laughs) overseas, I would have assumed, in Europe. He facilitates and oversees the pioneering of new churches, networks and movements, as well as coaching and encouraging leaders. Nick, hi, welcome to the show. COVID COVID will have greatly impacted this ministry, I would have imagined. Yeah, well... Well, actually, it has, and uh, it's been great. It's been absolutely fantastic because it's highlighted uh, some things about church, and um, uh, which I think is a good thing. What sort of things has it highlighted? Well, um, I think we are so focused. We've been so focused, which is a good thing, on the on the macro and the mega, but uh, COVID has caused us in the last little while to focus on the, on the um, micro, on the small. And I say small is the new big. So, so um, you know, there's nothing wrong with macro and mega, but uh, what about the, what about the um, you know, the, the small, the, the, um, the mini? So uh, the micro, because, you know, most churches actually, uh, especially in persecuted countries, which is which is actually the majority of Christians, probably the majority of Christians, right? Asia, uh, Iran, are, uh, and places like that, um, have, and in parts of India, uh, they have to be small to to survive, actually, and they're multiplying like crazy, uh, and small multiplies very easily. The the micro multiplies much easier than the than the mega and the macro. A lot of them will be house churches, I would have thought. Yeah, I I try not to define church by where it meets. That's kind of my um, go to, uh, and I try to stay away from house churches. Have a bit of a bad rap, I've found in the West particularly. So I I try to call them. Uh, uh, micro. That's where that's where I go to because I I, I can see people dismissing um, dismissing it because of the size or where they meet. It seems it it has been in the past, not always, but it has been in the past seen as a as a group of Christians who are like a little bit anti the establishment or anti the large church and want to be you know with me myself and I with my small group. And think no bigger, but that's that's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Uh, so I'm talking about a church that is mission, very mission orientated, uh, looks after its local community, also um, uh, you know touches the lost, uh, uh, focuses on the great command, the great commission. Um, and and uh, can do all the things what Jesus said a church actually can do. So so that's my that's my kind of focus really. And I think we need to give it dignity. I think that uh, what what's wrong with meeting with ten or twelve or twenty people? All. No, and um, unfortunately, some folks have just wiped it off as saying, well, it's not that important because it's not big. Big is a Western concept. And so um, I say, uh, let's have both ends. So I'm, I'm going, let's have both ends. But COVID 
uh, <laughs> uh, doesn't allow for that at the moment. And, you know, we can meet with 25 people, whether we're vaxxed or non-vaxxed or whatever we believe, uh, or up to 50 in some cases. And, um, well, that's just fantastic. We can plant churches like crazy, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what can a micro church do that a, a macro church can't? Well, um, I think a, a, a micro church, I, I've got a little list here. Um, it's fascinating how many times church is mentioned in a home. Uh, so I can understand why people would call it a, a house church but, or, a, or a home church. But I think, I think a micro can multiply faster. Uh, when I was in, we lived in Europe for a few years, and I go to Europe when I can. <laughs> With COVID, it's, it's been impossible. Uh, but um, when I talk when I talk to young people about church planning, they go, "There's no way." Even though they've been through Bible school for one, two, three years, there's no way I can plant a church. You know, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the understanding, I don't, I don't have the building, I don't have the finances, I don't have the uh, the, 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 the musicians, the music leader, all that sort of stuff. Well, a micro doesn't need that. Um, you don't, you know, it can multiply faster. So it takes less resource. Um, it's not complicated. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not complicated. And I think, I just believe that the gospel, that Jesus gave us so such clear instruction in um, Matthew 28, you know, go make disciples, baptize, teach. I mean, it's so clear, so profoundly revelatory clear. Uh, and um, it's, not, it's not complicated, but we seem to complicate things. We, I think we complicate Christianity and I think we complicate church, actually, especially in the West. And so... Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think the leadership capacity doesn't have to be as large. Uh, you know, many people could lead if they had a real desire and they sensed a, a, a call of God. They could easily lead a, a group of 10 to 12 to 15 to 20 people, you know, and they can grow with that leadership uh, style. Um, they don't have to have large buildings. Now, when we were in Europe, I mean, even to get a, a building, even to hire a building was, was hundreds of euros. Well, well, with a, with a micro, let's, let's not think. So I say with a micro, let's not think ABC. So we don't need uh, attendance numbers. We don't need buildings and we don't need cash, ABC. Um, and so I also think making disciples is easier. I think you can get around people and I think you can, uh, a leader or a number of leaders can easily mentor people, coach people. I call it discipleship because it encompasses the whole way, whole of life. So, uh, so I think, yeah, I think smaller than you, big. Why was Europe so central to your strategy? Uh, I just felt many, many years ago, um, God gave us a scripture, uh, Psalm chapter two, verse eight: "Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance." It was mentioned at a meeting. Didn't even know the scripture was there. I was. It was 1989, and uh, we're about to move to another uh, city and take over a, a, a fairly large church. So I've been involved in the in the large in the in the macro and actually in the mega uh, for a for a city such as Hamilton in in one sense. So. 
Um, and I just knew that that scripture was for church planting in Western Europe. I don't know how I knew it. I just knew that it was Western Europe. And I've had a heart for Western Europe. Um, Western Europe is one of the mission fields of the 21st century. Uh, um, when you do your research, when we do our research, it, it kind of, um, it's, it's pretty bad. It's like half a percent, if that Christian in Belgium, uh, South Holland, France, Spain, and other parts of Europe. So, so I've just had Europe on my heart. My, my uh, Dutch and ancestry probably has helped that. Uh, I have a Dutch passport as well as a New Zealand passport. Um, and so, uh, so Europe was a bit of a focus for a little while and we were able to move over there in 2010, 2011. Uh, we were there for a number of years and uh, wanted to start churches. And I could see very quickly that if we were going to plant churches the traditional way, I might have, I might have planted a church, might have planted two in 10 or 15 years. But I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of Holland. I'm thinking of Belgium. I'm thinking of France. I'm thinking of Spain. I'm thinking countries. I'm thinking um, whole communities. And I thought, we're not, we're not going to be able to do the job. Um, if we are just planning in the traditional way. So I had to rethink, and the journey began on, on the micro, really, uh, and how we could do this. Holland would have its own particular problems. Yes, yeah. It, 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 look, um, Europe is a, is a fun place, very interesting place, but, uh, yeah, it needs, needs help. <laughs> Why do we need to multiply churches? Well, um, I, I, th I think if church planting is the best long-term evangelistic method under heaven, in, in, in my view. Now, um, Wagner said that, uh, Jim Montgomery said that, who started Dawn Ministries, discipling a whole nation. Most mission leaders would agree, most, if not all mission leaders, whether you're on the, whether you're a, a conservative uh, evangelical or a, or a, uh, 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 I want to say all sorts of words, uh, a Pentecostal right on the other side. Most mission leaders, if not all, would agree with that statement, that church planting is the, is the best long-term evangelistic method. So, so for me, church planting is, is a key to reaching nations, uh, countries, nations, cities, uh, rural areas, and they're filled with uh, new communities of faith. Let's put it that way. So, so we need to multiply those churches. And look, when I look at Genesis through to Revelation, uh, uh, and I see what Jesus is talking about, multiplication is just part of the DNA of God. Uh, so, you know, um, in, in Genesis, oh, let, me just, let me just refer to my book for a moment, my back-to-front book. <laughs> yes, we should mention to me, because that was fascinated me, that I was instructed by your publisher to start at the end. So I went to the end and then worked out why. Do you want to talk right. about that? Yeah, well, you can see that. You can see that right. Where are we? Right there. 
Um, oh, we're not on video, by the way. Oh, we're not we on are, video. but the audience aren't. No, the we're audience on audio. Is, oh, okay. You have to believe us, folks, that there's a All back right. to front book, literally, for a reason. <laughs> the reason is that, um, and actually, the publisher was really great. It was great to work with Castle. They, they were brilliant. Um, Andrew Killick was is brilliant. Uh, just just a note there for Andrew. But I, I wanted to I wanted to do something that would arrest people's attention. That it wasn't just another book and and I wanted to frustrate people or annoy people um, every time they picked up the book. And uh, I, I remember now, Andrew doesn't quite remember it the way I do, but I remember uh, he, he, we were talking one day and he said, do you really want to publish this the other way around, back to front? I said, absolutely. I said, he said, why is that? He said, well, um, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating. I said, exactly. That's what I... That's what I intend. I want you to feel the frustration of, of um, we've got to think differently. We've got to think out of the box. Uh, and if we're really, to, if we're really um, serious about reaching the nations for Christ, and I'm thinking nations, I'm thinking multiplication. So that's how I'm thinking. I want to, I want to multiply. I mean, it's great if people want to plant a church, and that's great, just one church. But I'm saying, let's put a naught behind that. I think Abraham, you know, he, of course he had one, the, the, the promise came through one child. But let's, number one, uh, but let's put a naught behind that. Let's put two noughts behind that, because I think God did. Let's put three or four or five noughts behind that. And let's think um, multiplication, because I think that's what God wants. That doesn't necessarily mean it's large. Or big, but I, I, I think there's got to be some way where we multiply these things where it's uncomplicated. Uh, might not be easy, but it's uncomplicated and it's simple. Everybody, any, any, any person, uh, any generation, any people group could pick this up and run with it. So anyway, I, I, I wrote the book the other way around and it still bugs me every now and then because I always go to the front as well. It doesn't bug me at all. I knew why you were doing it. All right. <laughs> you, you want to get us to think outside the square, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, like, let's start thinking outside the square. Uh, people are listening to this, if you're in a, a micro church or you're in a church or wherever you're doing church or however you're doing church at the moment, Nick, how do people multiply their church? What do they do? What are the practical things people can do? How do we get this in their DNA? Well, I think um, one thing is uh, is to believe that God wants you to multiply. And, and as I said you know, earlier, in Genesis, it talks about, I'm just trying to find the, the scripture, um, and, he, and, he, and you know, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I think blessing... The result of blessing is fruitfulness and multiplication. So I won't go any further on that, but it's right through the scripture for me when I, when I see this. I think the other thing is, is to figure out, um, I think it's a very important question, is to figure out what is church? Because, you know, what are we planting? Because, uh, you know, what, what does a successful or what does a fruitful church look like? Well, that's a, that's a huge question because if you, if you answer that, one way, you're, you're going to, you know, it, it, it might end up with six months or a year or two of planning for one church. And that's fine. But if you answer it another way, you could plant a church in a month or two. So, so for me, 
church is uh, number one taking responsibility. So, you know, Jesus, and I'm taking the words of Jesus. I'm, that's the beginning of my discussion. I'm taking the words of Jesus, and I'm thinking, now, what did Jesus talk about when he talked about church, which is, which is a very interesting discussion and can't fulfill it here. But taking responsibility is one, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. He, and he mentions church in that, in that scripture of uh, Matthew 16, 18, 19. And then he talks about the great command and love one another. As I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love will prove to the world that you're my disciples. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the great command of, of loving one another. Also, uh, the third thing, of course, is Matthew 28. I think Jesus, you know, that would be part of church. Matthew 28, go make disciples, baptize, teach. Um, and I think Jesus gave two ordinances. One is water baptism and one is communion. And so... Um, those, those are great gospel preaching points, actually, water baptism and uh, communion. And uh, every time we meet, let's, let's take communion and, and water baptism is part of it. So I say, for me, church has four components. Look, it could be three, it could be two, it could be five, whatever. But I've come, I've come to my four, which is uh, word, worship, community and mission. So... So how could we do word, worship, community, and mission? Now, straight away, people say, well, and so they say, well, how big does a church have to be to be a church? Well, what does Jesus say about that? The only thing he says, which is really annoying, is he says, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. <laughs> and But that, the background of that is that if any, um, when, when you met in the synagogue, if to have a to have a official meeting, you had to have ten uh, Jewish men, thirteen years and over, for that for that meeting to be official. In fact, it still happens today. A friend of mine in, in uh, Holland has a, 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 a there's a lot of Jews still in Holland, and uh, they will ring up their unbelieving Jewish uh, men friends if they realize that they can't fulfill that um, scripture, you know, they can't fulfill that uh, law, if you like, and they'll bring them in and they'll bring those people in so they can have their official meeting. Well, Jesus comes along and he smashes it completely. He says, in that background, he says, where two or three are gathered, there am I. There's my presence right there in the midst. There's my authority. Uh, uh, there, there am I represented in the midst. So, it can be two or three. Now, if you're if you're passionate about, you know, taking responsibility for your community, if you're passionate about the Great Command, if you're passionate about the Great Commission, and having communion and and serious about water baptism, it's not going to remain two or three. So um, that that's that's where I go. So you know, I think defining church is really helpful at this juncture. Has the church neglected evangelism, do you think, Nick, in recent decades? Yeah, look. Or parts of the church? I, I just don't want to be. I think pastors are hardworking. I think they're really, they are stressed out at the moment like crazy because of the whole COVID thing and, and how we do church. And I think, um, so I don't want I don't want anybody to hear me um, criticizing anybody, but I do think evangelism has been 
on the back burner. There are so many other issues to think about, health and safety issues, um, uh, PC issues. Now we've got uh, other issues to think about with vaxxed and non-vaxxed and so on and so forth. Um, we, so anyway, so, so I think evangelism has been a little bit on the back burner. I, I, I'm surprised how many churches carry on year after year and it doesn't seem to bother them that uh, they're not, um, uh, you know, they're not seeing people water baptized. They're not seeing people come to Christ. They're not giving people a, 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 a call to say yes to Jesus, even in the meetings. That, that'd be simple to do. Um, so so I, I just think it's, and it's hard work. It's laboring. I understand that. But um, I think that's what Jesus has called us to, uh, personally. <laughs> mm. so, yes, absolutely. Yes. So how can churches who aren't doing evangelism, I mean, how, and this is another question, how does a church, be it a microchurch or a macrochurch, handle something like evangelism in a time of COVID where people are separated from one another like they've never been before in many ways. Yeah, look, church has never cancelled right, throughout history. Church has never been cancelled, never will be cancelled. And I just think we need to think out a little bit out of the box. Um, and that's where um, one-on-one, I mean, one-on-one evangelism or one-on-one face-to-face, talking with friends, family, uh, is still the best way to communicate the gospel of Christ. And, and we can do that through Zoom. We can do that through family meetings. We can do that through uh, all sorts of avenues, especially um, in a smaller group where you could, in a micro where you can bring people in and they don't feel like, uh, you know, they can sit, they can sit kind of at the back because there's about 20 people, but they can just observe and, and so on and so forth. So see how that works for them and open up the scriptures and, and, and sense the presence of Jesus. So, I, look, I don't think it's an easy fix, but I do think we can do some things uh, like give a call for salvation most Sundays, whether, whether there are non-Christians there or not. So it puts the DNA in. I think we could put on, on people's seats a tract that everybody is really, um, that the pastor or the leadership are really happy with. A simple steps to peace with God or one of the alpha tracks or, uh, or the other, of course, is, is the alpha course, which is brilliant. We started a church here in, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in Papamoa um, in a family store using um, the alpha course. Uh, and so, um, there were 12 people weren't going anywhere. Now there are 12 people that are saying yes to Christ and are now bringing their friends. Uh, we had a, and we have it on a Thursday night. They're busy on Sundays. They, they haven't fought Sundays. They're not church people. So, so we do it on a Thursday night and it's in a, and it's in a smaller setting. There are about 25 there now and we're starting we're going to do another three alpha courses next year um because that's just the way it, it works for us so figure out a way that work there's got to be a way that works for every church you know yeah and you write a lot in the book about um how micro churches and small groups can network together so you're thinking in terms of a small group or a micro church but interconnected and and i think you make the point and i loved i love the way you, you said it you said i think the early church was like the internet yeah, yeah. 
because it, it created uh, a kind of network of communities around the around the uh, what was then the the known world. I think what you're saying is so true. I, I you know, whilst we might have micro, I do not believe those micros should be by themselves. They they need to be linked in for their own safety, for the leader's safety, for the leader's accountability. Uh, we can all go off onto, onto little tangents theologically. And, um, uh, you know, we need support. We need encouragement from one another. We need accountability. And, and leaders need that. And I think micros need that as well. So I, I'm heavy on this. I, I, I think no micro should be by itself. They need to link in with um, a network and we've got a network here in New Zealand, for example. So they don't have to sign anything. They don't have to pay anything. But relationally, we're networked together and we try to connect with one another a number of times a year. Um, and so no church, should, no church should be alone, just like no person should be alone. No church should be alone. And I think it's the safety of that group of people as well, um, theologically and, and uh, because there's some funny things that uh, 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 people can latch on to. <laughs> yes, have been for 2,000 years. Yeah, I know. I know. They right. just keep coming up, and they're the same ones given different names sometimes too. That's right. Exactly. Listen, what can we learn, what can we glean from Paul's letters and from Acts about how some of the early church was planted and, and developed? Because it's pretty much the same model that you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, well, look, you asked a question before, and let me perhaps go back to that. I think, I think it kind of covers it all. Is you know, how do we, how would we start churches? Uh, they they just they prayed. That's fascinating. They prayed, you know. Funny that, I, isn't it? It is, and I I just love the the little phrase um, that Dick Eastman uses. He says. Um, the more I pray, the more coincidences I seem to have. <laughs> prayer is oxygen for the soul. So, I, you know, prayer is the basis. So if you're going to start something, pray. And, and, and don't pray in isolation. Pray and talk to your, talk to your peers, talk to those over you and, and, and pray that through. Everything begins in prayer. I think the second thing is discipleship. Just, you know, Paul... Uh, met with some uh, women down at the river, and uh, they were they ended up getting baptized. They ended up coming to the to their home. Started a small group. So discipleship begins. In, invite somebody and engage with them, and begin that seed of planting. Planting that seed, then then begin to pray and form a team. I think it's good. Just and I'm thinking of an informal team. You know, three or four folks that you can meet with pray with, strategize with, plan with, um, and, uh, make sure they're thinking, um, they're thinking uh, micros as well and thinking, well, they could start something later on and multiply that. So they're thinking uh, how they can multiply themselves as well. So pray and form a team. Um, continue to make disciples. Uh, just let that seed grow. Continue to make sure that they're all. Co I, I I lump coaching and mentoring all into discipleship. Discipleship is a whole 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 of life thing. So, it's a kind of very Christian term. But 
um, just begin to relate with others and begin to ask them along and, and bring them in. So begin to make, make sure everybody is discipling somebody or two or three folks. And it's very simple to disciple. And I give a bit of a, a, a clue of how I, I've done that in this little book. Um, uh, the, the fifth thing is um, who, in the, who in the group could start another community of faith? And that's kind of scary because, well, do we, you know, no one has their theology perfect. And it's not an excuse not to have your theology perfect. It's just that no one does because <laughs> no one's God. <laughs> no one's God. But that's where we need one another to bounce ideas off and stay in relationship. We need to stay in relationship with one another. And who in the group could begin a church in their community? And you know, I think churches. Um, I think churches can begin with somebody who's been a Christian six months, or or a year, especially if they're highly networked and and in relationship. I mean, you could run a church on the other side of town with ten people or five people, five of their friends in 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 a garage or in a building or in a uh, coffee place or wherever using these four points, you know, word, worship, community, and uh, mission uh, that can easily be done. You don't need a, you, you don't even need a, 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 a group. You don't need uh, smoke machines. You don't, you don't need lights. Um, giving thanks, you know, what could we give thanks for this week? Just go around the group. Uh, that that's kind of giving thanks for, for for worship. Now, if you if there's a great musician there with a guitar, fantastic, absolutely. Um, so anyway, so that's that's where I, I'd go, and then uh, I identify the leaders of the team and and start networking together. That's how I'd do it, you know. So there we go. We've got to come to a close. Where can people find you uh, on social media, Nick, your website, and what sort of resources have you got that people can tap into? Yeah, look, uh, I'm happy. Um, in fact, um, I don't know whether you can you want to do this, uh, Brent, or, or myself. I'm happy to give this, send this book out oh, okay. out of multiple churches yep. um, to anybody who's really passionate about it. and, and yep, We can sort that out. Yep. I can do that yep. and I can send them to you and they can, 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 can whatever. We'll find a way to do it. Yep. And I'm, I'm happy to put all your links on from your website and so forth onto my podcast page. That's what we do. Yeah. So the yep. best way of course, is the, is the website, uh, www.nickklinkenberg.com or the same visionchurches.com. And you go to any of those and, uh, you know, and, and, and my email's on there as well. My email is nick at visionchurches.com. So feel free to email me. And yeah, uh, we happy for folk to email you and ask questions. Good, because I will. <laughs> absolutely. And look, I've got a, on my Nick Klinkenberg website, there's a blog uh, on my Vision Churches, wherever. It's, uh, there's a blog there, and it, it talks a lot about, uh, I focus on leadership and church planting, mainly uh, planting churches. They plant churches. They plant churches. Thank you, Nick Klinkenberg. There we are, the author of uh, this recent book from Castle Publishing New Zealand called How to Multiply Churches. Nick, it's been great to chat to you. God bless you. And thank you for the privilege. Of being oh, that's on. a pleasure. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. 
This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.